I believe that the Lord really has a word for you this morning. I got about three people excited about that. Come on, dear Heavenly Father, we come into agreement right now that your word shall be spoken, Father. We ask you now that as we receive your word, that we would sow it into our hearts, Father God, that we would let your word bear fruit into our lives. We ask you to speak to our hearts, God, that we today can choose to live a life set apart for you, Father God. God, as we go forth in this service, God, that you take total control. Release every spiritual ear in this place today, Father God. Release every burden right now that we can listen to your word, Father God. We come against every anguish of spirit right now, Holy Spirit, and that you would take control. If we came here heavy-hearted or suffering, Father, that you would speak to our hearts this morning. All these things we pray in the name of your son, Jesus, at the church of God. Say amen. amen. Come on, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter. Chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. And I want to talk to you for the next couple of weeks on a topic. We're going to go with a three-week series on a topic. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down and just put set apart. Somebody say that, set apart. I believe that God wants us to live lives that are completely set apart. I got three. I got three people. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 12. The apostle writes, But you are a chosen people. Somebody say chosen for me. A royal priest to the holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let me stop there. Your life is because you are chosen, number one. Number two, you're a priest. Number three, you're supposed to be holy to God. And your existence is so that you will give praises to him who called you out of darkness. That's your whole life in a nutshell. Amen? Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He's speaking to the Gentiles, and he's saying, once you were not saved, but now you are saved. Once you were not part of Israel, but now you're a spiritual son of Abraham because you have believed in the faith that is Christ Jesus. Do you follow me so far? So he says, once you were not a people, meaning you weren't a, a part of this. Now we call ourselves a family, right? When we talk about church, we say, my church family. Yes, no, yes. And the reason is because we're a part of something. So he says, once you were not a people, a family, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is my favorite part. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that they, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. To understand this truth that I want to share with you today, it's going to help you set the tone for the rest of your life and the rest of your upcoming year. Somebody say amen. But we should look like real Christians, not just look like it, but actually be real Christians. Amen. And God desires us to be different from the world. And so uh, Moses wrote it best when he put in Leviticus 20. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. I've set you apart from the nations to be mine own. Leviticus 20, 26. He says, I am holy. I'm God. And you need to be like me. So be holy. So far, you got me? I know that's not a popular scripture. Being holy is not good these days. When I speak of this world, I'm speaking of the type of mindset, number one, against God. And number two, I'm actually speaking about the social norms of today's world. And then on top of that, when we mention the world, we do mean the physical world. Understand this. I want to just break this down to you. Adam and Eve were created by God for one purpose, to expand his 
spiritual kingdom into the physical realm. Follow me here. Walk you through this. Baby steps. Somebody say baby steps. So God created Adam and Eve for one reason, to expand his kingdom. The Bible says he created the heavens and the earth. He set up a kingdom, a domain. And so in order to have a kingdom, you have to have subjects. So he created Adam and Eve to exist in the garden. Somebody say the garden. God created the body of the man from dirt in Genesis chapter 2. He breathed into the nostrils of man. Uh, in Hebrew, it's called the Ruach, and he made the spirit man. So first God made the body, then he made the man. He stuck the man inside the body. That's why we're called humans, humus man. A humus is just dirt. Man is a spirit, so you're a human. You follow me so far? Everybody got this? Your body and your soul are two separate entities. When you die, your soul leaves your body, and when you're born into, the, into this world, your soul enters your body. Your soul animates your body and causes you to have life and to move. Realize God speaks to your souls more than he speaks to your body. That's why you can never hear him audibly. I don't know if you're going to get this today. Some of you might have to get the CD. God speaks to the soul. That's why I can be in a room of 500 people and God will speak to me and nobody else hear him. He speaks to the soul. You hear some men of God who have visions and see things and do all these types of things. They're, in a, they're tapped into a different realm of the spirit. So understand that I can, I can be in a room of 200 people. God speaks to me. No one else hears him because God's not speaking to my body. Somebody say he speaks to my soul. That's why David said, my soul longs for you. Our bodies don't long for God. Our souls do. Only time your body longs for God is when you want a healing. Because we're selfish creatures. Somebody, somebody getting this today? So understand this. 1 Peter 2.9. Again, verse 11. I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against somebody say, my soul. Understand this. God is speaking to the Apostle Peter here. He's declaring to some Hebrew believers who are living in the city of Pontus, of Galatia, in Asia. And he's talking to all these people. And he says, listen, listen, you're not of this world. He means it in two ways. One, you're not home. You're not in Israel. And number two, your spirit is not home. You belong in heaven. I'm literally an alien. My spirit does not belong to this realm. It belongs to God. You follow me so far? I need you to really understand this. You won't get the next three weeks if you don't get this. My spirit, when it's on earth, I'm an alien. I'm a stranger. That's why, that's why our bodies don't want to serve God, but our souls do. We love to sin, and we hate to sin at the same exact time. Anybody there? Is it just me? I mean, some folks just love sin, but that's just different. I'm talking about how we can sin, but yet love God. He declares that we are aliens in this world, not of this world, meaning we're not aliens of this world, meaning not from one country to another, but he says in this world from one world to another. You have to read the scripture with a really good lens. You can't just look at it and get that surface stuff. I'm, it might be a little deep for you guys today. I really want to get this to you. Amen? And so he says you're an alien to this world. Peter's not just addressing physical issues, but he's addressing a spiritual issue of the church. He tells us not to fall into temptation. Now listen to this. You have to really get this. He said, because this, the spirit of the devil, basically, the, the enemy, is not warring against your body. He's warring against your soul. Somebody say, the devil wants my soul. He does not want your body. He uses your body as an instrument to sin, but in the end, he's after your soul. 
He wars after your soul. Everybody got that so far? He tells us not to fall into these temptations that, the, that war after our souls. And so we have to understand God wants us to live differently. He wants us to live not from the rules of this world, but the rules of God, the rules of heaven. Amen? He doesn't want us to live like we're supposed to be living on this earth and just follow all the rules and be good people, but he wants us to live like the heavenly kingdom desires for us to live, following the moral laws of God. This is not my home for my soul. For my body, earth is home. And so my body desires the things of this world, but my soul desires God. And so every Christian's battle is to try not sin because your soul desires God, but your flesh desires the world. On a daily basis, you might not realize it. Your fight is not with yourself. You're trying to fight your, your soul from fighting your body. Amen? You're trying to stop your soul from being animated to sin through your body. Understand when God created man, he created your body to live forever in conjunction with your soul. But as sin entered the world, read it on your own time, Romans 5, 12, the Bible says sin came into the body, death came into the body, and man was destined to die. In reality, our bodies are just a place for the soul to dwell, built to the specifications of God in order for us to live here on earth. I need you to really get this. Your body was simply built to house your soul and serve as the link between God's world and our world. I need you to really let this sink in. You're not all that you think you are. You're just a house for God to work through. I'm telling you. Your soul has a destiny more than your body. God, don't, God needs your body to work through you, but he really called your soul. I'll prove it to you. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. He says, listen, Jeremiah, before you were in the womb, I knew you. Before I ever formed you in your mother's belly, I called you. I predestined you. I anointed you. He's not talking to the body. He's talking to the soul. And he says, listen, listen, I don't care what your body says now, Jeremiah. I don't care if you can't talk, if you think you're too young, you got a ton of issues, you're sick. I called your soul, and I predestined your soul to be a prophet to the nation. So get off your lazy butt out of that dirty body of yours and get to work. That's for some of you guys. I don't care what you think you're made for. God says, I predestined your soul to be a worshiper. Shut up and sing. He told Moses, listen, you're destined to be a leader. Shut up and go lead. Moses said, I can't talk. That's what he said. I was telling my wife this morning, Pastor Carmen, I can imagine. Moses, if you read the Bible, it's fun to do. Um, uh, Just FYI, uh, Moses had a speech impediment. He couldn't really talk well. I can just imagine if God didn't have a backup plan with his brother Aaron. You see, Moses' soul was called to lead, but his body was in rebellion towards God. And so his body developed a speech impediment so that he could not be used by God. And God said, that's okay, I got your brother. You just tell him what to say. Thank God for that, because that would have been a funny movie to watch. I mean, Ten Commandments, let, 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 let my, my pe- people go. <laughs> I mean, Moses would have had really, this would have been a long movie. Because all the ten plagues, I mean, he had to announce them all. His snake water stuttered and everything. I just don't know. Just the, the ocean just stuttered and tried to open. I don't know, but that's just me. God's destiny is not for your body. It's for your soul. This is too deep for some of you. I realize that. But realize God needs your body to operate in this world, but the destiny belongs to your soul. You got that so far? Your soul needs to be 
released before God in that sense. He says to, to Jeremiah, let me recap. Before I formed you, Jeremiah, before I formed your body, I knew you. How did he know him? Because our, our soul is a part of God. It's the breath of God. He said, listen, before you ever were, Jeremiah, me and you had conversations in heaven. And me and you understood that you were going to go be a prophet to Israel. And I don't care if your body wants to be a crybaby because he was known as the weeping prophet. Because every time he went to prophesy, he started crying because he was mad that God had him prophesying weepy things. And so the Bible says that every time he spoke, he would, he would sit there and he would cry. He was the weeping prophet. And so then there was one time where he didn't want to prophesy no more. And the Bible says that the spirit of God welled up in his bones like fire. Until he was speaking, and he started crying again, just like God said this, just crying. <laughs> your body needs to be under subjection to your soul. If you want to stop sinning, you got to control your body. He says, Jeremiah, I anointed you. I let you come forth from me, that for a purpose. Understand this, when God released your soul from his bosom, from his mouth, from the Ruach of God, the very breath of God, he released it with a purpose. And the Bible says that his word, his breath, shall not return void. So you better do something. Tell somebody next you have a destiny. He's not speaking to Jeremiah's body, but to his soul. He's not concerned with what your handicaps are. He's not concerned with your time restraints. He's not concerned with why you can't do this for him because of your job. He's not concerned about all the things that stop you and hinder you because he said, listen, I gave you that soul for a purpose. You better do what it's called to do. I don't care what your body says. Get over yourself. Tell your neighbor, get over yourself. Your soul has been set apart for God. Before you were born, God called dibs on you. Like before you were ever born, dibs, Satan is mine. Dibs, it's mine. God has an advantage here. He knew you before you were born. Satan knew you when you got here. Had to watch you grow up, but God already knew you when you were full of delts. That's why you can have a, you know, a young person with an old soul. Because we're old. I don't think you're getting this. You're getting this, Minister Melvin? You got, all right, you just, you, he's good. Romans 6, 12, listen to this. The Apostle Paul writes this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, a.k.a. you have an immortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin, somebody say to sin, as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Meaning, you don't act like you've been brought from death to life. You don't really act like Christians who have been saved and sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. You're just as dead as when you walked in here. He said, act like you came to life. Act like you love God. Act like you care about the God that saved you and redeemed you and died on the cross for you and shed his only blood for you. Why? Why don't you give him some life back? You see, it's plain as it. He says right there, but rather offer yourselves to God. As those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. So God desires for us to offer him our bodies so that our souls can fulfill his destiny. I need you to understand this. Souls have a destiny. Sin has a way of puffing up the God-given things he's given you into sin. Sin. 
into things that hurt you and harm you. Sin has a way of taking a prophet and making him into a psychic. That's what sin does. Sin will take a prophet and turn him into a fortune teller at a circus. And what they say is true, but they're operating by the wrong spirit. Oh, they knew my cousin's name. Everybody has a cousin named Maria, whatever. <laughs> sin would take the people of God and use them for the things of the world. Sin could take the best worshiper and make him into a famous singer instead of a faithful singer. Turn him into someone, someone famous and someone who, who's chasing wealth and chasing this and chasing that. And then leading people into sin rather than leading people to God. Some of the best singers in the world were destined and created for one purpose, and that was to give God a glory. You look at them now, you look at maybe Lady Gaga, you look at Rihanna, all these singers now, all these big-time people who should have been worshiping God and not Satan has them, and the dumb Christians listen to them also. And so we have, we have, a, we have two people trying to rule in us, and we have that, that complex, and I don't know why God can't get right with God, but if you would empty out your CD player, maybe you get one step closer. And I don't know how to get right with God, but we have all these things in our lives. And so sin will take the best musicians and make them the most famous ones in the world. Known for everything. John Lennon, good God. He's known all across the world. Great musicians. And sin has a way of taking them and hijacking them. Sin, this is crazy, sin will take a man who's going to be a great husband because he's in touch with femininity and he'll take him and turn him into a homosexual and rob somebody of their husband because that's what sin does. Sin's a thief. Sin puffs itself up. God created man, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. He said, let them have dominion. He created man to have dominion over the earth. And so you were born to rule, not be ruled. And so sin will take and puff you up every time somebody tells you what to do. And you hate authority. We don't like the way our bosses talk to us. We don't want to deal with our kids nowadays. We don't want to deal with their parents. Hate their parents. They hate all types of authority. Hate their teachers. They hate their church. Don't stand up in church for God. They don't, they, I don't want to go there too far. Just, just keep, I might get offended. You know, they, don't want to, they don't want to give God the glory he's due. They don't want to worship God the way they should. And so, and so they don't understand that this is a nonstop worship party in heaven. If you can't do this here, you're not going to make it there. And so sin have a way of puffing us up in defiance against God because sin hijacks your God-given destinies and uses them against God. Sin exploits what God has put in you. People with powerful words become gossipers rather than life-speaking individuals. People with leadership abilities, Jerry Springer, good God. Enough said. Maury Povich. People just, I, I just don't understand how the world can be so naive to let the enemy exploit what God has given you. Sin takes a good look from a person and makes him into a whoremonger. I was getting quiet here. Just Whoremonger, someone who sleeps around. Oh, I try going biblical on you guys. I don't want to say slut or something like that, you know. Don't want to say skank. Nobody understood whoremongers. Just skeet, you know. I don't want to go all there, you know. It's just, can can You all right? But that's what sin will do. Take your good looks and just, oh, I can do that? Well, let me just do it then. Because your soul desires God, but your body does not. You know how you know your body doesn't desire God? Can I tell you how? Five o'clock in the morning, he wakes you up and says, pray. 
You fall back asleep? Guilty people seven rows back? <laughs> Just in the middle? <laughs> like, <laughs> me and God have been fighting. I've been, I've been dealing with a slumber demon. I can get up early fine, but, you know, I'm a morning person. But when he asked me to pray, those are the mornings I can't get out. I just don't get it. It's my body against God. I need you to understand this. Don't let yourself be put into situations where you're acting outside of your destiny. Paul declares to the church not to let their bodies be used to sin. Why? Because your body can lead your soul to hell. We are constantly at war when trying to live set apart for God. It isn't easy. Paul makes mention of this. And I think that if we really thought about this, this is many of us. Romans 7, 21. Paul writes this, and it's an interesting scripture. You should write that down. You should take this up or whatever. Read it at home. And he says, so I find this law at work. This is it. So here it goes. You ready? When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, meaning in my soul, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of my body. You with me? Sin is at work within the members of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body? Thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul realizes my soul wants God, my body does not. I want to pray, I fall asleep, I read my Bible, I fall asleep, and I'm always fighting this. this is, I want to come to church, my kid acts up. I want to come to church, and I'm just down depressed, and I'm using every excuse as to why. I want to serve God, my body doesn't, I don't know what to do. And Paul's like the greatest of all apostles. He's like the chief of all Christians. There was Jesus to me, and then the apostle Paul. Like, he was great. And he says, listen, I got this other thing in my body going on, and it makes me want to sin. And so when I read that, I get comforted because I know I'm not alone, that if Paul can go through this, that we can go through it. He was set apart for God, but yet he's dealing with inner sins. Anybody dealing with some sins? You don't have to be fake. You have to be real. I'm dealing with some stuff, Pastor. I got issues at home, issues in my mind, issues in my heart. You must realize that um, when you came to Christ, God purchased your body in order that he might live inside of you and use you. God needs this. He needs you. I heard a teaching, and I, I'll give you two minutes of it, but God needs your body. Really, God needs your body. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, you can read it on your own time. Uh, the Bible says that when man, God made man in his image, he said, let them have dominion over the earth. Them who? A human. Who? A human's body. Someone wrapped up in a dirt body. Got that? So a soul wrapped up in a dirt body has dominion over the earth. So God cannot come to earth without having a body. Even the devil knew this when he, when he got inside the serpent and he tricked Eve to sin, he had to get into somebody else's body because he's just a spirit being. God followed the same principle when Jesus was born. He could only come through a human body. And so God wants to work in your body. God needs you. God needs you to live right. God needs you to have your body available for him. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were brought for a price, and therefore you need to honor God with your body. Anybody there with me? You were brought for a price. Tell somebody next to you, you were brought for a price. We're set apart for a special reason for God. 
Our body was purchased by God from the devil by the blood of Jesus Christ in order that the king of kings might live in me, in order that I might have a fighting chance to live right for God. He sent his son to die for me. In order that I might have a chance to fulfill my destiny, he sent his son. Understand this. He's called you to live. Somebody say set apart. Sin is native to this world, not the spiritual world. Sin, with all its lustful desires and its disgusting properties, is a part of this world in the physical, but not in the spiritual. And so we've been set apart by God to live a different life. When we accept the Christ, our Savior, his laws come into our life. When you say, you're the Lord of my life, meaning you own me, you're my master, and so you take on his rules. When you go to a job and you accept the job, you take on the rules of the job. And if you have a gun permit and the place says don't bring your gun inside, you cannot bring your gun inside. Even if the state says you can carry a gun, the place says you cannot carry a gun, don't carry a gun inside. Right? When you live in this world, you took on God's rules, you got hired by him, and he said, listen, don't do what the state tells you to do. You don't have to sin like the world tells you. You don't have to curse. You don't have to talk lewd. You don't have to have bad conversations. You don't have to be a whoremonger. Back to that word. It's just a... You got that? As long as we were in sin, we were citizens of the world. But as believers, we belong to God. Paul writes this in Ephesians 2, verse 19. He says, you're no longer an outsider. You're no longer an exile, migrant, an alien, excluded from the rights of citizenship in God's kingdom. But you now share citizenship with the saints, God's own people, consecrated and set apart for himself. And you belong to God's household. Somebody say, I belong to God's household. God set you apart. I want to really get to this. He set you apart. Imagine someone who's trying to purchase a vehicle. They get this car, and they're, for, a, for a certain amount of time, they want to save money in order to buy a car. That's how you properly buy a car. You don't go finance the whole thing and have high payments. And thank God if your car gets repoed three months later. That's not God. Everybody with me there? All right. So you save for a certain amount of time. And when the time is right, and you can afford both the high insurance of a new car and the car payment, you go and purchase a car, correct? And you take all the money that you set apart for that purpose, and you apply it to the purpose God has had you set apart since the beginning of time. And now it's kind of like his time to pull you out of your spiritual bag and get you to do something for him. God is trying to set you apart. Number one, my soul has a destiny, and I need to find it. Number two, I must subject my body to the destiny of my soul. Number three, God has set me apart for a specific plan in my life, not just for a general Christian life. Number four, I realize I am not of this world. I am from God's kingdom. With all these things, I realize that now, now I'm going to give you the tough part. Everybody ready for this? I said all that just to say this. I wanted you to know that God set you apart. You're not from this world. You don't live like them or act like them. We're to be different. I said all that to say this, and I'm going to give you the most unpopular scripture of the day, probably of the Christian life. Nobody likes this scripture. We don't really go by it. None of us live by it. And none of us ever, ever really think about it on a daily basis. And I read it before, Leviticus 20, 26. You are to be holy. To me, because I, your God, am holy, and I set you apart. Tell somebody next to you, no, he set you apart. 
He said, I called you to be holy. What does it mean to be holy? I know some people don't want to hear this. I know we'd rather live how we feel and go by what we feel is right. And I know we'd rather live a comfortable life rather than a life that tests our spirituality. Most folks rather never go through anything. They want to have comfortable lives. I don't want a comfortable life. I want to be able to go through things and say, listen, I overcame. I'm going to go to heaven with a testimony, not to sit down for story time and listen to everybody else. I want to walk up there and be like, David, you don't know what I had to go through to get up here. Oh, yeah, Paul, you did that? Well, look what I did. Anybody, anybody with me? I want to walk up in heaven with a busted testimony. I mean, when I was a kid, and I, my father would see me doing something dumb when I was a teenager, and I would be smoking a cigarette. What are you doing? I'm bolstering my testimony, Dad. But in reality, I want to bolster my testimony for God. I want to go through some things. Anybody here with me? To be able to say, listen, I overcame. Could you just imagine what your life would look like if the church of God decided to live a holy life? <laughs> I think that we, our life would be so much different if we decided to live set apart and not act like the world. Imagine what your life would look like if you stopped cursing just like the world does. Ooh, that's tough. Quiet. No amens there, Pastor Carmen. What would your life look like if you stopped watching some of the stuff you watch? What would your life look like if you stopped living to the norms of the, of the world? What would your life look like if you actually stopped drinking once and for all? You wouldn't have that, you know, mm, can't talk about that one. What would your life look like if you actually loved your neighbor as you love yourself? What would your life look like if you actually forgave the people who've hurt you? What would your life look like if you actually forgave the ones who did the most damage to you? What would your life look like? How many of you, by a show of hands, just be honest today, know there's some people you need to forgive? Anybody? By a show of hands, keep those hands up nice and high. If you know they have somebody to forgive, I'll let you know if you don't forgive them, you're going to go to hell. All right? Get that out the way. In order to get to heaven, you have to forgive. And so you're coming to church for nothing, absolutely nothing until you forgive them. Because you're not even saved sitting in your seat. You're very still, but you bet you one thing, you're on your way to hell. So sorry to break it to you. What would happen if you lived a holy life? What would happen if you lived a life that was worthy of calling a Christian life? You know, back in the days of the Bible, the word Christian was a derogatory comment. To be honest, the word Christian does not mean Christ-like. It means a little Christ, a miniature version of him. They made fun of him. It's like, the, you know, how we, nowadays you call people the N-word, and back in the day it was so insulting, but now it's just like everybody's doing it. It's a common word. That's kind of what the Christians did. You're going to call me that? Great, I'm a Christian. But back in Jesus' day, or before him, after him, rather, it was an insult to be a little Christ. But my question is, can we even call ourselves that? I mean, how many of you call yourself a Christian? Show of hands. Call yourself a Christian? Yes? No? You guys don't? You're not saved? Yeah, you do. Well, nobody called them Christians. Right? They didn't call themselves Christians. Rather, the world called them Christians. What does the world call you? I mean, you know that you're saved when people look at you and say, you're saved? You know you're on the right path. I mean, anybody with me there? What would your life look like? if you decided to really adopt the God's standards rather than the world's? 
What would your life look like if you, if you got rid of all the things in your house that don't honor God? Kind of quiet there. Nobody wants to throw anything out today, huh? We're not going to have a burning service after church. Remember when I was a kid, they used to have those, those, those burning services. Remember that would throw stuff out type of thing? And, and so one day, I don't know how they got me to do this. Um, it was a bunch, a bunch of his teens. Jose was there. You were there. I was there. And we were all there, a bunch of us young teens. I believe you were there. At least you were there. And, and what happened was we were going to throw all the things that weren't of God in our lives. And so we went home. And they really tricked us. And they, they just used to get us back in the day. And the next service, we came in with anything that wasn't of God, a.k.a. video games, TVs, whatever it was. Because back in the day, we were radical. And so we threw it all out. They had us smashing up our games. Remember that, Ruben? Our, DV, our videos. We didn't have DVDs back then. And we were just smashing up videos all, talking in tongues. Hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Walked home. I walked out of church. Went home like, what the heck are we going to do now? We are so bored. That was the dumbest thing I ever did. Like, I really, I, remember we smashed that game, Siphon Filter. It was the best game in the world. Smashed it with a hammer. Remember one day, I just forgot what happened. My mom always used to get me. And it's, it's, the, it's the greatest stories in the world because my mom was, like, super saved. She was not, she was, like, ratada to the core. And, and she was hardcore back in the day. I mean, we all were. Let's all be honest. I mean, in the old church. And so every, every few months, my mom would trick us into thinking that as kids, we don't need TV in our lives. And so the TV would go away for like a year. And we'd just be like, yeah, we don't need that TV. We don't need the TV, Ruben. Yeah, we're saved. We're Christians. And we just put the TV in the attic. Two weeks later, hear noise in the attic. Judy's up there. Ruben's up there watching TV or something. We used to <laughs> just like, you know, what the heck are we doing? One day my mom, you know, she did the whole, we're going to have a cleanup. And so we cleaned up the house, and then the TV was missing. Go downstairs, and she had taken a meat cleaver and chopped off the plug. Devil wasn't coming back in my house. So my, my father took and just reattached it and put it up to the attic. She couldn't go up there. So, I mean, those are the things that we went through as, as kids. When we talked about holiness, we really lived it out. We were serious about it. I'm not kidding. Like a curse word would come on the TV, and it would go off. I don't care if it was the D word or H-E double hockey sticks, whatever it was. It was going off. Remember those days uh, when people actually respected people? Those days when kids respected their parents? Those got lost after I hit 15. I don't know what happened. There were days when the church actually lived right before God. Now we just want to live happy. We don't care about holiness. The whole world's doing it. Let's do it too. We don't need a watered-down Christianity. We need the truth. We don't need to live like every other place around here. We don't need to come to church and have an emotional service and have a, have a week filled with just worldly stuff and come back and repent for the same thing next week just to come back the week after that and say, God, I'm sorry all over you. No. How about you come to church next week so excited that you overcame sin instead of so down that you can't do it? I'm telling you, God wants you to live holy for him. He has a purpose for you, and it cannot be accomplished with sin living in your body. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to live set apart, what it means to live holy, how that looks in action. If you're taking notes, write this down. Things you can start with this week. 
Remember, Christians who take notes go to heaven faster. That's what Pastor Pete told me. I said, how do you know that? He goes, I don't. I just told him that, and he started taking notes. Oh, okay. How about you try these things this week? Be selfless, not self-seeking. You know what that means? To be selfless and not self-seeking? To help somebody else out before you help yourself? Spend your last five bucks on somebody else and on a burger for yourself? McDonald's, Janet? <clears throat> She gets so excited over, over like, McDonald's. She sees it. <laughs> squeals like a pig. Just, ah! just so excited. Like, what the? I had an empty bag. I pulled it out my car. She, got <laughs> she watched me the whole way to the garbage can. Like, what are you doing? I, I have this in my house. She reuses the fry holder things at her house. I'm just kidding. I'm just, just kidding. Number two, be giving, not greedy. Let's try and be giving this week. It doesn't have to be money. Give to somebody. Give them love. Give them a hug. Give them a hello. Hello, Stephanie. How are you doing today? See, a hello brings a smile. Hi, Raina. Good to see you. See, smile. Don't be greedy this week with your words. God gave them to you. Use them. Be passionate, not passionless. Wake up in the morning excited about life. Because you could have been dead. You can't wake up dead, but I'm not going to go into that. But you could have just not been alive. A million people die a day. You could be dead. I mean, it's just the truth. Thank God you made it. Wake up excited about life. Now I got to go to work. 10% <laughs> of Americans are unemployed. You have a job. If you got a roof over your head, you're in the top 8% of the entire world. If you have $15 to your name, anybody got 15 bucks to your name? $15, just $15 to your name. You're in the top 5% of the entire world. You're wealthy. You're wealthy. Yeah, people in Africa live off of $2 a month. Two bucks a month. How many of you can get by on two bucks a month? Some of you women, your accessories cost more than that. Like, you know, it's just like, my wife has this place she goes to, and, and they have these dollar accessories, and it's just like she comes out with like a whole bag. just like all, It's only a dollar. And so I just think about this stuff. Like we, I'm not that it's wrong to buy that stuff. It's not, but we spend money on things. It's just, what? Really? God, it, it's necessary to us, but people in Africa are, are living on two bucks a month. Understand this. God really wants us to live a different life. God wants us to live passionate about life. And we cannot be passionate until we accept that we are blessed. Amen? As Christians, we should be hopeful, not hopeless. We should wake up every day hopeful, Carlos. Like, you know what? It's going to get better. It's all right. Come here. Give me a hug, you know? Having a bad day? I can talk to you about Jesus. I got hope. I got hope for days. I mean, I can just talk to you about hope all the time. We should be hopeful every day. We should be caring and not careless. We should really be caring as Christians. When someone's hurting, we should care. When someone's dying out, we should care. When someone doesn't have, we should care. When someone's going hungry, we should care. When our brothers or sisters in the church are struggling, we should care. When somebody hasn't been to church in two weeks, you should care. 
you're seeing people who are hurting out on the streets and driving by, you should care. It should break your heart when you see someone struggling. Because that's the heart of Christ. Jesus said, what you're doing to me, rather, what you're doing to the least of my brothers, you do it for me. What you're doing to the least of creation, you do it for me. You walk outside and find yourself a homeless guy, and you just say, hey, I'm going to get you something to eat. You're not doing it for him. You're doing it for him. And that's what counts. It's not just to make you feel good, but even though doing nice stuff automatically makes you feel good. You know that? You can have just 10 bucks you name for the rest of the week, and on Monday, some guy comes up to you and says, I'm hungry. Can I get some food? And you spend that 10 bucks of uh, that last $10 you had, you spend it on him. And you will go through the rest of the week, all right, I'm, I'm fine. I, g- I gave it to a reason, a purpose. It was good. That's what being hopeful, that's what being caring, that's what being passionate does for you. You should really think about that this week. What would your life look like if you lived holy for God? Come on, stand with me. The psalmist writes, Psalms 4, verse 3. I know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself, and the Lord will hear them when I call to him. Come on, every head bowed and every eye closed. Come on, every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to say this with me. God made me to live set apart and to live holy for him. Come on, say that again. God made me to live set apart and to live holy for him. Come on, I say it one more time with all your heart. If you really mean it, if you don't, don't even say it. Tell him, God made me to live set apart and to live holy for him. Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you today, is there anybody in this place today who just wants prayer with us? We'll pray with you, whatever your circumstance may be, your situation. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. You know, you got your hand raised. Come to the front right now. Minister Melvin, Pastor Carver, they're going to pray for you right now. Come on. You had your hand up. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's right. Come on, church. There's people coming to the altar. We should be excited. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, Father God. God, we want real change. God, we want real change in our lives, God, to live set apart for you, to live holy for you, God, to live righteous, God. God, not to live halfway, God, but to live the entire way through for you, God, to push through and be passionate about everything you have for us, Father. Come on, that's right. Keep on praying right now. Open up your mouths, church. Begin to pray right now. Father, lead me to live set apart for you, God. Lead me to live holy for you, God. God, take out the things in my life that are not pleasing to you, God. Remove them, God. Remove them, God. Remove them right now, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Father God, we want you to come in right now. Oh, Holy Spirit, come in right now. Spirit of the living God, just rest in this place. begin to worship him. We just lift up your praise in this place today, God, as people have come, God, to receive from you, God. 
Holy Spirit, just rest in the place, God. Trail. 